Warning, the following podcast probably contains dirty words and graphic descriptions of ass-kicking action. Hello and welcome to the Adkins Diet, the podcast where I foolishly try and consume every movie featuring actor and martial artist Scott Adkins. First of all, I'd like to thank some of the people who made this podcast possible. My brother CJ designed the awesome logo. Uh, Check out his work on cjc.design on Instagram. And if you have any interest in commissioning him for any work, then email me. The email address is the Adkins Diet Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Adkins Diet Podcast at yahoo.com. Also, thank you to my brother from another mother, Pete, for our theme song, He's Out of Control. Check out Pete's music and production on razormouth.net, Razormouth on Facebook, Razormouth Productions on Facebook. That's productions with a Z and Cousin Pete on Facebook, C-U-Z-Z-I-N Pete on Facebook. Thanks a lot, guys. Also, a big thank you to my wife for agreeing to record this podcast with me and endure many Scott Adkins movies, some of which will be awesome and some of which will be terrible. This week, however, we're starting with a good one. I figured we'd kick off with the movie that made Scott Adkins a household name among direct-to-video action fans, Undisputed 2. Scott Adkins is a British martial artist and actor who spent 2001 to 2006 toiling away in bit parts in various martial arts and action movies from Europe and Asia, and then finally in 2006-2007 had his big breakthrough with Undisputed 2, from director Isaac Florentine and starring Michael Jai White along with Scott Adkins. This movie provided his big break as villain Boyka and led to further starring roles in two Undisputed sequels, Undisputed 3 Redemption and Boyka Undisputed 4, which was recently released, and many, many other direct-to-video action roles, and some larger big-budget Hollywood mainstream work in films like Doctor Strange, Zero Dark Thirty, and The Expendables 2. Undisputed 2 is far better than most direct-to-video action films have any right to be, and that is thanks to the experience of director Isaac Florentine, who spent the 90s directing a few different action movies straight-to-video, and also dozens of episodes of the Power Rangers TV show. He is also a kickboxer himself and pays more attention to the action scenes and martial arts than many directors as a result. Michael Jai White, of course, had what should have been a big breakout role in 1997's Spawn, where he portrayed the first African-American superhero in a lead role in a movie, but that didn't do so great and follow-up roles in movies like Ringmaster, the Jerry Springer movie, did nothing to help his career. 
sequel to the Walter Hill movie Undisputed, which was a boxing drama featuring Ving Rhames and Wesley Snipes, where Ving Rhames played a Mike Tyson-type character who was sent to jail and ended up fighting with prison champion played by Wesley Snipes. The loosely related sequel replaces Ving Rhames with Michael Jai White playing the same character, George Iceman Chambers, years afterwards, when his career is apparently on the downswing again. The movie's opening credits actually pan through the prison setting where we'll spend most of our time and show us the supporting characters in the prison end up on Boyka, the character that Scott Adkins plays. We actually see him before we ever see our main character, Iceman. Uh, Boyka is praying and preparing for a fight. Then we cut to Iceman acting like an ass on the set of a vodka commercial and generally being an entitled diva. We're also introduced to a Russian gangster who is taking up residence in one of those strip clubs that you see on TV where women don't take their clothes off and apparently instead of pole dancing we get a lazily choreographed three-woman dance not involving poles and generally looking like a poor middle school dance recital. Our Russian gangster sits in the back of the non-strip club watching closed-circuit videos of prison fights featuring Boyka stomping the shit out of people and apparently not making him as much money as he used to because everyone assumes Boyka is going to win at this point. Iceman goes back to his hotel room to be assaulted by random assailants in the dark who we saw planting drugs in his luggage and his Bible, which is how the Russians will get him into prison. After Iceman is sent into prison, he is treated to a cold shower in which he attempts to assault some guards and then they send more guards and then he gets piss thrown in his face from one of Boyka's followers. We generally see Iceman acting like an entitled asshole and thinking he's going to get out of prison soon. His first sign of goodness is when we see him standing up for his junkie cellmate who's played by Ben Cross, a British actor who was in Chariots of Fire but maybe more famous to action fans as Mr. Rabbit, the villain in the incredible action television show Banshee. But in the prison yard, some people are stomping the shit out of him, and Chambers stands up to them and tells Cross that he doesn't like seeing people bullied unless he's doing the bullying. Eventually, some more fights end with him being thrown in to the shit-shoveling section of the prison, where he encounters Russian wheelchair Tommy Chong, as I call him, or Krat as his character is named, a harmonica-playing former commando, and is in charge of the shit-shoveling operation, literally in the bottom of the prison, where their overflowing sewage pipe results in poo everywhere. Chambers gets in more fights, ends up in the hole, where Krat brings him bread and soup, an act of kindness that... Iceman questions and does not understand. Soon we find out that Chambers' manager was in on the frame job and was trying to get Iceman into prison for the fight. Once Iceman finds this out, he resigns himself to his fate. And it's time for a training montage! Iceman and Ben Cross's character train for a while, as does Boyka. 
finally we're treated to the first fight between Boyka and Iceman. Boyka tells Iceman that he is going to attempt to fight him using fists only because Iceman is trained as a boxer. We've already seen Boyka deploy a number of flip kicks and flying kicks and roundhouse kicks to defeat his foes earlier in the movie, so he is handicapping himself in an attempt to challenge Iceman on his own ground. Now at this point I have to mention that my wife Whitney was marking out hard for Boyka during the fight, and even though we were introduced to Iceman as our protagonist, she is cheering Boyka. How do you respond to this? Um, Boyka's the fucking man. A concise assessment, I suppose. Boyka is the man, but we have, you know, been following Iceman at this point. But I can understand marking out for Boyka. He has been kicking ass. So after a first round of punches that could have gone either way, the second round we come, see Boyka come back hard with his signature roundhouse and flip and flying kicks. After another round break, Iceman seems like he might be on the ropes, but we don't know because... Stevie, who is the junkie cellmate of Iceman, played by Ben Cross, has been accepting dope from Boyka's men, and we see him drug Iceman in the water. Crot, the wheelchair Tommy Chong, also sees this and does not seem pleased. At this point, it is no challenge for Boyka to take Iceman down. After the fight, we see... Iceman challenged Boyka in the lunchroom where they first fought and accuse him of drugging him to take him down in battle. Boyka is pissed. He is not happy about the idea of someone being drugged so that he could defeat them. He wants to defeat everyone legit. He may be a crazy asshole who we have seen mutilate the hand of one of his minions, but as he explains to his other minions via a helpful mural illustrating fighting from the Egyptians to the Greeks to American boxing represented by Muhammad Ali, Boyka says, I am the next stage. He claims that he will be the greatest fighter and will defeat fighters of all other styles. At this point, he administers some strict discipline by killing two of his minions, one of them by snapping their neck, the other with a deadly throat punch. And he follows this up by saying, Wipe this fucking trash off the floor. So we know that Boyka is in it for more. We cut to a scene with Iceman's manager asking the Russian gangster for more money, since Iceman is still in jail and is obviously going to have to fight again. It seems like a reasonable request, although anyone who has watched an action or crime movie will know that asking more money means the manager gets shot in the head and is dead. Iceman ends up crucified in the winter cold in the prison yard. One of the extras from the Russian prison who we have seen looking on during various fights and incidents ahead of previously who looks a lot like Jackie Earl Haley, except even creepier, gives Iceman his scarf. Soon the other prisoners contribute, give him a sip of booze, some bread, hat, gloves, and everyone is coming together for the man that stood against Boyka. The prison guards question everyone, and we have a nice I am Spartacus moment where everyone claims to have helped Iceman. 
In addition to the earlier help from wheelchair Tommy Chong, this moment will soften Iceman and teach him to appreciate those around him and that acts of kindness might not be completely worthless. At this point, it might be worth mentioning that although the movie's dialogue is pretty good for a direct-to-video action movie, a lot of it is variations on fuck you, fuck off, and shut the fuck up, said by both Boyka and Iceman as if they were their catchphrases. Eventually, Iceman agrees to another fight with Boyka once he realizes this is the only hope he has of getting out of prison. However, he demands one condition. He gets winter coats for all the other inmates because, you know, they're in Russia and it's cold and it's shit and they're all unhappy and horrible and cold. So, a nice small victory to show his growing empathy. It's time for another training montage. This time Iceman is training with former Commando Krat, who teaches him some grappling and submission moves and also encourages Iceman to break his crippled legs because, you know, he ain't gonna feel it. Uh, we also find out that Krat was wrongfully imprisoned after taking the fall for a crime for his brother, who had a pregnant wife and so Krat felt bad for him and now looks at a picture of his niece wistfully while playing the harmonica every night. We also find out that he was crippled during an escape attempt during his first years in prison. Then it's time for more training montage! Followed up by the final bout between Boyka and Iceman, in which we see a dizzying array of flip kicks and spin kicks from Boyka, but we also see Iceman ready for these attacks and countering them. Eventually, Iceman realizes that there's no way that he can continue to trade punches and kicks with Boyka at this rate, gets him in a submission move, and he uses that leg break that he learned from Krat. After the leg break, Iceman emerges victorious and is about to be released from prison with a suitcase full of money from the surprisingly good-on-his-word Russian gangster, and he goes to the prison warden to make a special offer. He wants to get Krat out of prison and reunite him with his niece, which we see in a lovely reunion at a train station before Iceman walks away in the snow and we roll credits. All in all, Undisputed 2 is far better than most direct-to-video action movies and is even better than most mainstream Hollywood action movies, owing to Isaac Florentine's loving photography of elaborate fight scenes, which don't use quick cuts and close-ups to confuse the action and stuntmen as many movies do. So Whitney, what did you think of Undisputed 2? Um. I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as I liked Undisputed 3, where Boyka is the hero. I have to say that I felt like this movie was trying to make me like the main character, uh, what's his name? Iceman. Iceman. I was felt like he was trying to make me like Iceman. He was trying to be the underdog who becomes the hero, and I'm just, I don't get it. I really... Just wanted Boyka to kick his ass, and that is not what happened in this movie. He kicked his ass a little bit, and then he ended up breaking his leg at the end of the movie. I just, I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I, I wanted Boyka to kick his ass. Boyka is a much more lovable character. Boyka has religion. 
Boyka is a good man. He looks up to, you know, other fighters. Boyka's just, he's a better character. He's more relatable. He's just, he's more fun. He kicks ass. Well, let's be fair here. Boyka is pretty well defined for a what could have been a generic villain character in direct-to-video action movie. We do see him praying. He has religion. Uh, he also has a stamp collection, which is a fun little character quirk that we see a couple of times and isn't too overstated. However, we do see Boyka mutilate the hand of one of his minions after the guy accidentally cuts Boyka's hand. And then after Boyka finds out that his minions drugged Iceman, we see him snap one of their necks and throat punch the other one into oblivion Liam Neeson style. I just have to say that makes Boyka more lovable. I know that, yes, the religion part is good. Yes, the stamp collecting is good. But as a woman, I want a man who could fucking defend me and snap someone's neck if they do wrong. And he snaps someone's neck. He kicks somebody in the throat. He literally just punishes a man for nicking his hand. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty awesome. I really love you, Boyka. You're a good guy. You're awesome. I love you. Why won't you be my boyfriend? Well, like I said, I do feel like Boyka is pretty well-defined and has multitudes as far as a direct-to-video villain in action movie is concerned. Uh, but I feel like Iceman's character is is pretty well portrayed also. We see him being a, a washed-up kind of champion who's riding on his fame and being a dick to people who are trying to pay him in the vodka commercial and after he gets sent to prison he continues to be an asshole to basically everyone around him but i think we we see some nice character growth from him during the moments where he receives kindness while in the hole from crot and then later on once he's bound up in the prison yard and the other prisoners come together to take care of him after he's stood up to Boyka. And then we do have one really good character moment where in order to agree to the final fight, he does ask the prison warden for a favor and he provides coats to all the prisoners. And I thought compared to your average action movie where it's just, you know, will the character die or not? And, you know, they're probably not going to die because they're the hero. It's nice to have a hero whose character growth is based on learning a little bit of empathy and understanding for his fellow man. And his big victories in the movie consist of getting coats for his fellow inmates and at the end, giving up the money that he was given to get Krat out of prison and reunited with his niece. See, this is exactly why I don't like him. Okay, so at the end, he uses his bundles of cash to get Krat set free so he could be reunited with his niece. That's very nice, but that's at the very end of the movie. The whole movie, he acts like an asshole, and it takes great acts of kindness to convince him that he should stop acting like an asshole. At the beginning of the movie, his roommate, um... Uh, Junkie? Junkie roommate. Ben Cross. Ben Cross tries to reach out to him and give him advice on how to survive in the prison. And he's just like, fuck you. But no, he doesn't doesn't try to learn and grow. He just learns and grows when he's stuck in the hole or he's crucified in the frozen tundra of Russia. 
To be fair, the advice being offered by Ben Cross is based on him being paid off by Boyka's gang with drugs and pressured by the prison warden to try and get Iceman into the fight in the first place. So it's not really benign advice, but I understand where you're coming from. But he doesn't know. Iceman doesn't know that it's benign advice. He just thinks this guy's trying to be friends with him. And he's like, well, fuck you. I don't want to be friends with anybody. I'm getting out of here soon. I don't get it. You're in Russia. You've been framed for a crime. Obviously, somebody wants you in prison. You should try and survive the best you can. Not just be a dick to everyone and start fights in the mess hall. Well, that fight was kind of started by Boyka's gang, but, you know, maybe Iceman hasn't watched enough movies about Russia to understand how boned he is when he gets sent into their prison system. Okay, so that brings me to another point. He's in Russia, he's framed for a crime, he's in prison, and he spends the entire movie, like, 75% of the movie going, well, I'm just gonna get out of here. You guys don't know what's going on. I'm the fucking man. I have all these lawyers. I'm gonna get out of here. But... You're bone, dude. You should accept the first time somebody tells you, well, if you fight, you can get out of prison. Then I would be like, I'm down. Let's fight. Get me out of prison. But he's just, no, I need to get out of prison. I was framed. This is wrong. I'm an American citizen. No, you're in, you're in Russia in prison. You're boned. Just fight. Is it really that outlandish for us to see an American expecting that their rights from America would be recognized elsewhere in the world? You got me there. Plenty of people just think, I'm an American. This can't happen to me. But it can, especially if somebody in the Russian government and the Russian mob decides to frame you for a drug crime to try and get you into an illegal underground boxing ring which is a pretty silly plot, so I don't know why you're bringing logic into this. But back to Boyka. Boyka is, you know, kind of an asshole also. We see him cut his minion's hand, we see him murder two of his minions after the drugging incident, and then during a training montage, he breaks one of his trainer's arms completely unnecessarily just as a way to show Iceman he means business, maybe? I don't know. I think that's pretty badass and kind of sexy. I think that if Ice, I think that if Iceman is watching and you're and you're just like, I'm gonna break this guy's arm just because I can. That's a power move. That's baller right there. That's the American way, as portrayed by a Russian prisoner. <laughs> but I think you just think that Boyka is the best because you know he's Scott Adkins and he's sexy and he has facial hair and tattoos. I think you might be biased. Don't get me wrong, Iceman is plenty sexy. He's got the abs, he's got the arms, he's got the face. He is very sexy. But as you stated, tattoos, the whole badass thing, it's very sexy. But I think that Boykis just got it going on. He's got the attitude. Well, as I said, I can't argue that Boyka is a charismatic character, as proven by the fact that he would go on to become the star of the Undisputed series, uh, Undisputed 3, Redemption, and the recently released Boyka Undisputed 4 took advantage of the fact that people did find him to be a very lovable, entertaining villain. And I can't deny that his goal of becoming the most complete fighter in the world is a pretty great goal for an action villain or hero. Uh, it's, it's just great that he wants to learn every fighting style and defeat the master of that style. 
it's a pretty classic martial arts trope, and it's nice to see it translated into a modern setting. I'd just like to add that one of the reasons that I like this movie is because it doesn't have a lot of backstory. Not too much backstory. The character development tells the story by itself. And I feel like a lot of action movies build up with a lot of story and not enough action. But even when they're not having in-the-ring matches between Boyka and Iceman, or between Boyka and random other characters whose names aren't mentioned because they just get smashed, uh, I feel like it's really awesome that they just have prison fights in the mess hall, or Boyka is just stabbing people, or Boyka is just killing his minions because they wronged him in some way. I really love this movie for all the action. I also appreciate the lack of backstory. Uh, we don't even really get much mention of the plot of Undisputed One, except for a brief news report that mentions Iceman was uh, the prosecuted on a controversial assault charge and spent some time in prison previously. But really, we're with these characters in the present. Boyka wants to be the most complete fighter, and thinks he's the greatest, which is his downfall. And Iceman thinks he's the greatest and thinks that's licensed to act like an asshole to everybody and learns some humility and learns to be better towards other people. The only character who we really get a lot of backstory on is a couple sentences about Krat's past and we find out how he took the fall for his brother's crime because he wanted to let his brother have a family with his pregnant wife. And that gives us motivation to want to see Krat released from jail and visit his niece. But that backstory is pretty efficiently deployed in about two or three minutes of screen time. And we spend most of our time in the present watching Boyka fume and fight with his minions and watching Iceman get pissed about his situation and impotently lash out and beat the shit out of various other inmates and prison guards only making his situation worse until it finally becomes obvious that his only respite is to fight Boyka and that's the point of the movie is the prison fights so it doesn't really beat around the bush or waste a lot of time. So all in all, we have a very solid direct-to-video action movie with lots of well-done fight sequences. And despite what Whitney might say, I think that Iceman's character development and arc were pretty good. It wasn't just a simple survival or revenge story. We saw him grow a little bit as a person. Iceman's a bitch. So saith Whitney, but Boyka's the one who gets his leg broke, and he gets a little bit of a journey of character growth and learning humility in the next movie. Did you think Boyka was a bitch in Undisputed 3? No, he was awesome. Well, see, you're just marking out for Boyka, so your judgment can't be trusted. So obviously this is our first episode, the rankings aren't really going to be accurate, but as of now, my plan is to rank each movie... At on its quality as just a movie in general and then on its quality for Scott Adkins-ness. I would say that Undisputed 2 ranks pretty good as a general movie and also pretty good on the Adkins scale. Even though he is the antagonist, he gets a great deal of screen time, some solid character traits, and a lot of kick-ass fights. I would say that on general moviness, I would say this movie is not that great because 
the end of the movie is just pretty weak to me. You break Scott Athens' leg, and then you get Krog released, and he meets back up with his niece. That's all very touching and all, but it's not a super great climax. But I'd say on Scott Atkins-ness, it is pretty awesome because there's lots of Scott Atkins beating people the fuck up. He also does not wear a shirt for much of the movie, which I'm sure you enjoyed. Michael Jai White is also shirtless, although not quite as much as Scott Atkins. Anything that involves Scott Atkins being shirtless is awesome. Now it's time for our Scott Adkins diet nutrition facts on this movie. The first action sequence comes only eight minutes in as we see Boyka stomp some anonymous asshole. The first big fight between Boyka and Iceman in the ring comes in 54 minutes into the movie after a couple short fight scenes in the yard and the lunchroom. The body count of the movie is pretty small, because this is more of a fight movie instead of your general shoot 'em up So we only get four deaths, one suicide from Junkie Ben Cross, Boyka killing two of his minions, and Iceman's manager getting capped in the head, giving us a total body count of four. Knockouts are where I decided to rank the movie, since it's more of a pit-fighting kind of thing where Boyka got four knockouts, one of which was against a drugged Iceman, so we'll say three asterisk four. Iceman manages to get ten knockouts between some prison guards, a couple of Boyka's goons in the yard, and then his final fight with Boyka. And Krat manages one knockout also, even from his wheelchair, choking a fool out when Boyka's minions decide to start a fight with Iceman in the shit-shoveling room. We also get three training montages, and I think the best move in the movie would be when Boyka flips off of his opponent and then kicks off of the ref to land a sweet-ass slam on his opponent. Would you agree that's the coolest move in the movie? Yes, I do agree. Boyka kicks off the ref. Coolest move in the movie unanimously. So Whitney, would you recommend this movie for people who are not yet Scott Adkins fans? I think that it's a good movie as a starter for Scott Adkins fans. For people who haven't yet seen how badass he is. Because he is pretty badass in this movie. And it does involve a lot of shirtless Iceman, which is pretty hot. And I think that... The best parts of Iceman's character is when he's being kind of a jerk and he's just kicking ass because he doesn't know any better. I would also recommend this movie to the poor unfortunate fools who are not yet Scott Adkins fans. I feel like it's a pretty fast-paced and solidly plotted direct-to-video action movie. Uh, Much better than most people would expect from the genre. And it gives you a good intro to the kind of ass-kicking that Scott Adkins can do, while also showing off the work of Michael Jai White, who I feel like has been unappreciated for about a decade between Spawn and Undisputed 2. Thankfully, it seemed to turn his career around in addition to giving Scott Adkins a big boost, and both of them have had a pretty steady stream of direct-to-video action movies and occasional roles in larger movies since 
unfortunately for Michael Jai White, that has included a lot of Tyler Perry movies, but it's a payday, so I can't dispute that. I would recommend this movie for Scott Adkins fans wholeheartedly, although I imagine anyone who is aware of him has already seen it. I would hope so. If not, go out and watch it now. It's the reason that he has the career he does today. And if you haven't watched Undisputed and its sequels featuring him, then, you know, what are you doing? Go watch more good Scott Adkins movies. Isaac Florentine has been his director on a number of his best movies. Uh, In the future, we'll probably get to the Ninja series and some other work they have done together. I think that Florentine's interest in kickboxing and martial arts has led to him directing some pretty awesome fight scenes and making solid action movies with Adkins. So as of the first episode, we will rank Undisputed 2 as number one Scott Adkins movie for general movie quality and number one Scott Adkins movie for Scott Adkinsness and delivering his general brand of awesomeness. For non-Scott Adkins recommendations, which is something I'm going to try and do every episode for related movies that do not feature the ass-kicker of choice, I will say that a couple years after Undisputed, Michael Jai White had an incredible year in 2009, releasing Blood and Bone, another direct-to-video action movie that isn't quite up to the level of our... Adkins Florentine collaborations, but is pretty solid nonetheless. Uh, does feature a couple of questionable jokes and moments, but it also features Michael Jai White kicking the shit out of a bunch of people wearing Timberlands. Uh, also, if you have not seen the movie he directed and starred in and wrote, Black Dynamite. Uh, his parody slash homage to 70s black exploitation movies. It is fucking hilarious and just an incredible movie that manages to capture the details of not just the low production quality of black exploitation movies with things like visible boom mics and characters flubbing lines, but also just generally a hilarious movie go watch black dynamite go watch blood and bone and next week we will be back to talk about what i am guessing will be a far inferior scott adkins movie green street 3 never back down also known as green street hooligans underground in which scott adkins teaches a bunch of soccer hooligans martial arts It sounds like it's going to be terrible, and I am preparing myself for that, but maybe it'll surprise us and be kind of awesome. Tune in next week and find out.